welcome to another episode of Experiencing Motherhood Single and Black. I am your host, Kim, and I'm so excited that you have decided to tune in and listen. If this is your very first episode, welcome. If you are part of the community here, welcome back. I'm so thankful that each of you decide to tune in each and every episode. If you miss out on the last episode, I talked a little bit about earning more. And I did that through sharing my tips on applying for jobs, interviews, and then developing your career as a whole. So if you are interested in earning more, you definitely want to check that out. Um, I believe that I dropped some very helpful tips that will assist you in that journey. Now, if you missed out on the pregnancy series, you definitely want to go back and catch those. Today, we will actually be starting the back to school series. Super excited about that because this is a transition period for me. My daughter is going to be entering kindergarten and I'm so excited. And here in Houston, and it may be all of Texas, probably, I'm sure it's the whole state, but we have tax-free weekend this weekend. So before you guys start shopping, I wanted to um, share this episode so that you guys can gain some tips before you actually start shopping. If you have not subscribed, you want to go ahead and do so, so that you are notified every single time I upload a new episode. If you have been listening and you've been learning some things, take the time out to leave a review. It really helps me and it helps the people who are trying to find new podcasts. If you are not following me on social media, you may not know about the Single Moms Cruise that will be happening in June of 2019. So if you're interested in traveling with a group of single moms, then you definitely want to check that out. I will link the information in the show notes so you can check it out on the site. And as always, if you have any questions, feel free to email me or DM me on social media. And without further ado, let's get into this episode with Aisha. Hi, Aisha. Welcome to Experiencing Motherhood Single and Black. I'm so excited to have you on to talk about saving on back-to-school shopping for single moms. How are you today? I am doing well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to join you. Yes. So tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. So my name is Aisha Taylor, and I'm the founder of FM Phenomenal. And FM Phenomenal is a community that helps single moms to thrive financially and to live phenomenally using biblically-based principles. And so I'm all about helping single moms to get right with God, have a deep relationship with God, to manage their finances, right, and to understand how to manage their finances, right, and also recognize that they can have phenomenal experiences. Like, being a single mom does not mean you have to be destitute. It does not mean that you can't have great experiences. It doesn't mean that you can't create great memories for your kids. You just have to learn how to do it 
within your own budget and find things that work for you and your family. Yes, absolutely. I love that. What actually inspired you to start that platform? You know, I'm going to give you the cliff notes version (laughs) because if you get me started, I'm going to share the whole backstory. So I'll give you the cliff notes version. So it's funny because prior to becoming a single mom, I actually ran Effin Phenomenal. And Effin Phenomenal was designed to help corporate women who were single. So single women who typically worked in corporate and like, uh, like corporate jobs to be able to manage your money better. Because one of the things that I noticed when I was working at corporate, it's like I had a great income, but yet at the end of the month, I had barely anything to show for it. And in some cases, it's like I was struggling. I was out of money before I got paid again. And I'm like, this just did not make sense for this to be happening. And so what I did is I went on a journey to learn how to manage my own money better and to make better financial decisions. And so as I went on that journey, I started as a phenomenal as a blog to just be able to share some of the financial lessons that I had been learning. And the interesting thing is, it's like I had been taught financial literacy. My parents, especially my dad, really just just like kept reinforcing the importance of financial literacy, the importance of budgeting, the importance of uh, not carrying credit card debt and all of these different things. And sometimes it just felt like I was like, all right, daddy, okay, okay, I get it. <laughs> but, at the same, but at the same time, it's like I didn't get it because I didn't understand how much my emotions impacted how I spent money. I didn't understand how my money mindset impacted how I managed money. I didn't understand my desire to keep up with the Joneses and to like feel like I could do the same thing as everyone else. Like my friends being able to go on expensive vacations and buy all this stuff and I'm trying to do the same things. They said they went to school without debt and I went to school with, I came out of school with $100,000 in student loans. So like some of those things, those comparison, comparison things like really impacted how I spent my money. And so I really started the effort phenomenal as a journey just to be able to share the things that I was learning and how to develop a healthier mindset in terms of dealing with some of those issues of insecurity and comparison that caused me to spend, overspend the way I was doing. And um, when I became pregnant, um, I became a single mom early on in my journey. I was about four months pregnant when I became a single mom. So I went through all of that, like, you know, without... Um, the other person, and my kids are two and a half years old now, and so it's you said like how been old are they? I'm sorry, two and a half. Two and a half today. Yep. Yeah. No, two and a half years old. Oh. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sorry. So yeah. So I've been on this single mom journey like the entire time. So I was trying to still keep at the phenomenal being like, ah, oh, you know, a single woman is brand yeah, you know, blah, blah, blah. But one thing that God started to pull on my heart is like, you need to share that you need to change. But I was so ashamed of being a single mom. I didn't really want to admit it. And I didn't share pictures of myself when I was pregnant. I was trying to, like, if I saw somebody I knew, I would, like, cover my stomach with my purse or stand behind the shopping cart because I was scared to admit that I was a single mom. And um, and throughout this journey, earlier on in my journey, when my kids were about a year or so, uh, maybe a little over a year, I started to realize that some of the financial management principles that I had been teaching on my blog 
were hard for me to implement as a single mom. It's one thing to have one income for one person, but it's another thing to have one income for two pe- for three people. And to have that one income be an entrepreneur income, which is ups and downs. And so what I realized is that what I had been doing before to manage my money just wasn't working the same for me anymore. It didn't mean that that was, those lessons were wrong. It didn't mean that they were bad. It's just for this different stage of my life, they were a lot harder to implement because, you know, I had to deal, I had to buy formula, I had to buy baby food, I had to buy diapers, and all of these things that I thought that I had put in a place in advance that prevent me from buying formula, diapers, and baby food, because I said I was going to 100% breastfeed, but then I had breastfeeding trouble breastfeeding challenges so I wasn't able to exclusively breastfeed my twins I was able to partially breastfeed but not exclusively I exclusively breastfed for a few months about four months or so Mm -hmm. but you know I mean I just couldn't do it the whole time the way I wanted to and I bought cloth diapers ahead of time so I said I'm just gonna cloth diaper my kids I'm like I'm not gonna have to worry about diapers because I already bought them I already paid for them in advance but then it's like I ended up going for a period of time to no cloth diapers and just paper diapers and then now I'm at a balance about half and half and so it's just all of these things that I put in a place that I thought would prevent me from spending money after my kids were born it just didn't happen I said I was gonna make my own baby food and it the trying to keep up with making my own baby food for twins just became too much and it's just health-wise I just could not do it I was just too exhausted and I was just running myself into the ground and so once I started to realize everything I my grand plans and everything just won't work it for me the way I expected them to work for me I realized something needed to change and that's when God started to reveal to me how I managed my money needed to change and he showed me like, okay, if you are have your, if you've passed the CSP licensing exam, if you have your MBA in finance, if you have two master's degrees, if you went to, if you did all this stuff, right? If you worked in corporate finance and did budgets and forecasts and all that other good stuff, and you have that knowledge of money, like if you're having to make some changes, you're trying to figure out what works for you and what doesn't, then what is someone else going through? And so I did not want to admit my single mom journey, but God showed me that I needed to push past that and to transform my business and transform my blog to help single moms. And that's what I did. Sorry, I tried to do the Cliff Notes version. Oh, no, no, it's totally fine. I actually shared some of the same things. I um, was in college, actually, though, whenever I got pregnant and I wore like big oversized shirts and leggings. That's how I ever wore to school because I was so ashamed of, you know, being pregnant and everything. But that is so cool how you, you already have the platform then you became a single mom and you've actually like shifted so that you can actually serve them. That's amazing. What was your, um, yeah, yeah, you're welcome. What was your um, degrees in? You say you actually have two, right? You have a master's and a bachelor's. Yeah, I was an overachiever. I uh, did a dual bachelor's degree. Uh, I went to Duke for undergrad and I got um, a degree in economics and then I also got a degree in um, public policy. And then when I, I went to university again for grad school and I got my MBA in finance and I got a master's of health services administration. 
Oh my gosh. So initially, and I know I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but I'm just so interested to know. So what did you actually plan to do with those degrees initially, like before <laughs> entrepreneurship? <laughs> you hear me laughing, right? I'm telling you, like, when people make plans, God laughs. <laughs> so it was funny because that was so convoluted. And it's funny because now doing what I'm doing right now, I feel like I actually use more of my educational background than I did before. So when I was at Duke, um, I went in there. At first, I wanted to be pre-med, but then I quickly realized that pre-med wasn't for me. And so um, I, I fell in love with public policy. And I decided to major in that. And one of the prerequisites that we needed, one of the um, required classes that we had to ta- had to take was economics. Loved economics. And I did not want to have to decide between majoring in public policy or majoring in economics. So I decided to do both. And so from there, I went to, I thought that I wanted to become a doctor. I decided, I knew early on that I didn't want to be a doctor, but I did not want to you know how it is, like we say, oh, yeah, like in high school, like, oh, I want to be this when I grow up, right? Yes. But then when it comes to the realization that that might not be what's meant for you, it's hard to leave it. And so my senior year of college, I just, I had gone through the whole pre-med thing, and it was time for me to apply to med school, and I was just like, it's not for me. And I realized that I wanted to help serve people, and I wanted to help people, but I didn't have to be a doctor to do it. So I decided to go to U of M for healthcare administration because I loved econ, I loved policy, and so I felt that I could combine those things by being a hospital administrator. And so um, when I was at Michigan in their health administration program, I wanted to get an even more well-rounded experience about business because the health administration program was more dealing with hospital management. It was kind of like a pipeline into hospital management, and I didn't want to come out of school with a background that will lead me to just either working in the insurance agent industry or hospital management, but mainly hospital management. So I said, okay, I wanted to be able to have, be marketable for more opportunities within the healthcare field. Like if I wanted to go into biotech, if I wanted to do more insurance work, if I wanted to go into pharma. So I decided to go to you know, to get my MBA as well. And while I was there, I realized that I love the MBA side of it, and I just did not want to limit myself. So it was funny. It's like I ended up getting an opportunity, so I was all set to um, go into like kind of like a healthcare corporation. So it wouldn't be hospital management, but I was looking at um, going into biotech or pharma. I ended up going to work in corporate finance, and so I was working in corporate finance for six years and so the funny thing is the reason why I actually decided to go in that direction is because like back when I was coming out of grad school the recession was starting to get pretty bad and so like everyone thought that I was nuts to like not go into like a secure field you know like fields that can withstand the recession they were like you're crazy for going to a company that might go out of business but I felt like if I went to, if I took a risk that I could get a better experience earlier in my career than had I, that I would have gotten if I went to someplace safe. And so for me, it was all about the experience. And so while I was there, 
I ended up going through some challenges at the company. I started to deal with workplace bullying. And so in those, I went through workplace bullying for about two and a half years. And so I was feeling so down and so worn out. I started to question my own ability. I didn't, I started to question my own intelligence. And more starting at the phenomenal really became a source of inspiration for me. And it helped me to really to prove to myself that I was as smart and I was as capable as I thought I was. And that I wasn't like what these people were trying to make me believe about myself. And so it it not only became a vessel for me to be able to help other people, it became a vessel that allowed me to be able to pour back into myself as well. Wow, that's amazing. So amazing. And I don't know, I think a lot of people, they underestimate the power of building and actually taking that time to, you know, build a business while you are working your nine to five, as we like to call it. So absolutely it's not like it's not like people like oh you know people try to make you feel bad like if you're employed and you're building a business you do that because I wish that I had that opportunity to be able to be at a job longer than I was uh, longer than I was before I jumped to make the full-time entrepreneurship week because I didn't make the full-time entrepreneurship week because I was like oh you know it's, it's that time I made the full-time entrepreneurship leap because of my health. <laughs> it's because of the drama that I was going through at work that made it impossibly impossible for me to stay there and still be healthy. So I left to protect my health. And so what people, what, what some of the best advice that I got was use your business, use your job as your invest, as your investor, because some of the things that people have to deal with when they are full time entrepreneurs, like you don't think about it. Like if you have a if you don't have a virtual assistant, you're doing everything by yourself. And if you don't have income coming in that month, but you have a virtual assistant or retainer, you still have to pay her. Like that money comes from somewhere. If you have an email autoresponder system, that autoresponder system still has to. That bill has to be paid. You still have to have health care. You still have to be able to save. Like, you still have to buy food. You still have to buy rent. So it's like, why create stress for yourself if you don't have to? If you, like, it just, and the thing is, it's like, where, what are you working on? Like, sometimes it's like, there's a blessing in having that nine to five beyond the finances because you don't have as much time to work on your business. So it forces you to be strategic about the things you will work on, the things that can give you the biggest return. It allows you also to do some trial and error to figure out what works and what doesn't work without having to risk your income to do it. Yes. I think that's major key because, you know, some people are so ready to make that jump because of how easy it looks on social media. And I'm just like, listen, (laughs) I'm not a full-time entrepreneur and I can't tell you what it's like, but what I can tell you is don't quit your job. You know, especially if you don't have a plan. Um, I just think that's kind of foolish. I don't know. It's my personal opinion. And honestly, like a lot of people complain about hating their jobs, but I always say that if you know that this is not the end for you, 
just tell yourself that every day you go in there, just know that it's temporary. Like literally one job I had, I wrote on there that this is not my final destination. And I smiled at everybody. Nobody knew I hated the job or I really didn't hate it, but I just didn't like where I worked. Right. But nobody ever knew. I never complained. I never talked about it because one thing that I've learned is to practice gratitude, like no matter what, because somebody out there does not have a job. You know what I'm saying? Right. Absolutely. That's a great attitude. Yeah. It so, just, and another thing to say, I'm invested in my dreams. Yes. You don't have to hustle to knock on doors to get investors, but you're just, you're just going. And one of the things when he told me was like, hey, if there are certain skills that you need to learn in your business, try and seek out those skills at your job so that way you can start to perfect those skills before you make that leap. Yeah, I definitely say that too. Like those skills are transferable. I think that for every job that I've worked, I've taken something from that job to use at the next job or just to use in general, you know? Right, absolutely. So um, <laughs> not to, to like end our good entrepreneurship content, uh, conversation, but to move on to talk about back to school. So a lot of parents are going to be excited about their kids starting school again. But <laughs> what they are not going to be excited about is actually spending money on school supplies. So what would you say would be the first step in actually planning for back to school shopping? So the one thing I would say is take inventory of what you have already so definitely take inventory of what you have already and by this I mean if you have like school supplies because you know you get the school supply list and there's gonna be some carryover <laughs> yes. so go back and find those things like and even now like if you're getting prepared like get one of those I forget I'm, my kids are still really young so it's like I haven't gone there yet but I'm thinking back to when I was a kid, and so you know those like Tupperware containers. Like we used to keep our school supplies in those Tupperware containers, kind of like the bigger ones that you might be able to marinate some chicken in or something. Like we used to use that for school supplies, and so like just start gathering up that stuff now. Like have a place where, as you find scissors, as you find tape or glue or colored pencils or crayons, like start to put that, find a place to put that stuff. And so then that way, when you get that list of things that you need to bring for the school year, you can already go to that one central place and say, I have this, 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 and this. And now your kids don't need brand new crayons every single year. Like, they don't have to have a fresh tip on those crayons just because it's a new crayon. The new school year, like, use what you have and take the time to take inventory of the things that you have. Because if you have scissors, if you have glue, if you have, like, colored pencils, you don't need to buy that stuff when you go out school shopping and that type of thing that type of thing will save you money. And the other thing is take inventory of their clothes. So kids grow really fast. So there's certain things that they might not be able to wear. You might need to get new if they wear uniforms, you might need to get that next size up. But if they don't wear uniforms or like try that stuff on so they don't have to get fresh clothes. Like, like the experience is really great about getting new clothes. I know when I was a kid, I looked forward to that. So just set a limit. 
about the stuff that you're going to get. So get them a few new pieces that they can mix in with the things that they already have. So understand what type of clothes they have, understand the school supplies that they already have, because that you're using that basis and it's using the school supply back to school time to start to fill in the gaps will save you another a lot of money. The other thing is I would say set a budget in advance. So look at your budget now and start to know what bills are coming up in the next month. Know if there's going to be anything of a surprise that might, a quote unquote surprise that might be coming up. Like, do you have, do you need to like renew like your license <laughs> back to school time? Like, cause you know, that type of stuff people don't think about, but it costs money. Like, are you going to have to pay a major bill during that time? So understand what your financial needs are to start to figure out how much you can afford to stay with back to school. Because I was looking at something recently, and these things that we're about are kind of old, but it was an old bank grade study from, I think, 2014 to 2015. They said the average parent would spend about $670 per child on back to school. I mean, wow. The number, because it was astonishing when I saw it. Yeah, bankrate.com. This is back in 2015. It said parents will spend $670 just to get one child ready for school this year. Oh and my so, gosh. Yeah, it's, it's insane. So if you have multiple kids, like that's a lot of money. Like that is why the school taking inventory thing is so important because you don't need $670 in school supplies. So, but there's just certain things that you can do to be able to offset that cost. So take time to figure out what you can and can't afford. If you can only afford $200, then just do $200. Like that is it. And make it work. And so if you have older kids, this is also a great time to talk to them about financial literacy. So let's say you have a $200 back to school supply budget per child. Then say, okay, I'm giving you $200. This is what you have. And you can cross some of those items off of the list and say, okay, you spend this money uh, yourself and just use that as a great opportunity to teach them financial literacy. And that way they understand the consequences of their actions. So if they end up overspending, you know what? I'm sorry. <laughs> you have to live with the consequences of your actions. So, yeah, so that would be also a great time to teach them about financial literacy if you have older kids. And if you have younger kids, just also use that to kind of explain the purchasing process. Use that to explain what things cost. Use that to teach them that mommy isn't made of like I don't want to say mommy isn't made of money or we're not an ATM because those are negative things about money. But just use that as an opportunity to be like this is these are our parameters, these are our limits. We have to work within our limits. Yes, I love that. So Take oh, it. and then a couple of other things that I forgot. Oh, no, no, um, you're fine. Go ahead. <laughs> another thing is free. I love it. Think free. If you have mom friends or there are certain things in the community, but, like, if you can, if you have mom friends and your kids are either around the same age or might be within a few years of each other, get together and do clothing that swaps. Each person bring about 10 items in and you can make it fun and be able to pick out quote unquote new things. They, they might not be new with tags on them, but they'll be new to you. And so that way you can also backfill some of the things that you need for your kids' wardrobe for free just by swapping with other moms. And then also check your local neighborhood because um, 
there are like churches sometimes have youth clothing sales. Uh, sometimes you might be able to go to different community centers that have youth clothing sales. So even to take your kids to those places because you can, or even places like um, Once Upon a Child, if your kids are younger, um, I don't know what size you Once Upon a Child goes up to, but different places like that. So try and think you serve in the thrift store um, and just use that as an opportunity to teach your kids like it's okay to buy used like you can get way more items for the price of it cool so um one thing i was gonna say is that you mentioned um taking inventory of what you have already so when you talk about taking inventory of what you have already um that includes not just the school supplies right so actually clothes backpacks like all of that right? If they're still in great condition. Because I think sometimes like moms just want to buy the kids new clothes and new shoes just because it's time for school again. But if you just shop for the summer in, I don't know, April or May and the clothes are still good and they don't wear uniforms, then I don't see a problem with them continuing to wear that same stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. There's nothing wrong with wearing that same stuff. And it's like, and it's like as someone who is a child I was like I get it like I, I understand wanting you because that's what your kids are going to want so you know what just say I'm going to get you a couple of pieces and that's it because yeah. kids have clothes and so it's about creating an experience but trying to figure out how to do it cheaper and another thing you can do is subscribe to stores email list or follow them on twitter because sometimes people give out the stores give out discount codes like carter's I shop, Carter's is on sale all the time, but it's like, like Carter's sometimes has 40% off of clearance. So if you wow, buy that, Carter's has say, yeah, it's like normally they print about, sometimes it's like 20% off, but sometimes it can go up to 40% off. And so when I know Carter's is having a clearance on clearance, that's when I go into the stores and I get his clothes from Carter's because I, I got their entire summer outfit for like 60 bucks. Wow. So just because it's like I shopped at the right time and also take advantage of um, a lot of states have sales tax free days um, to for back to school shopping. So just I, I don't know where central location is more, yeah. but just like maybe Google like sales tax free days for back to school. Yeah, and you'll be able to get more things. Mm-hmm. They will have those lists online. Normally, they have them like yeah. by state. Yeah, absolutely. They have them by state. So that's another thing that you can do to look things up. And I just thought about one more thing. Buying a backpack that's built to last. And it's like, I know, um, like, buying, like, the theme stuff is, like, real cool. You might want to get, like, a Disney backpack or something like yeah. that. But look at places like LLB or some of the places that have, like, the sturdier backpacks. Like, Jansport is a great bag. You know, I don't know if Jansport still does it, but you know if your Jansport backpack is broken, you can ship it to them for free, and they'll fix wow. it for free because it has a lifetime warranty. I did not know that, but that's the type of backpack I had in um, high school, and I used it all throughout (laughs) high school. (laughs) I actually still have it, like, at my grandma's house. 
Right. In that backpack, you it I is think durable, honey. <laughs> it's durable. So that's the type of thing that you want to get. Things durable. You might pay a little bit more for the Jansport backpack, but don't quote me on this because I'm going based upon like things that I know when I was a kid because I remember packing up that backpack and sitting back to get it fixed one time. But it's just oh, don't quote me on this, but definitely look into it like go look up and see if Jansport still has a lifetime warranty on their backpacks or look up just google backpacks with lifetime warranty and buy that like LLB that's the outdoorsy store so their stuff is going to be built to last and so instead of buying like some of the kids character backpacks that you know you might have to switch every year because if the character comes in a style buy something that's built to last maybe like get a character lunchbox or something like that because that's cheaper you mm-hmm. might be able to get that used and so think about how you can still do the things that you are being asking you for but on the other things invest in stuff that's built to last Yes, most definitely. I totally agree with actually purchasing things that will last. Now, um, you mentioned doing the community like giveaways and stuff like that, but what do you recommend for those mamas who may be actually ashamed to go to those? Because, you know, like there will always be um, these events where they give out free school supplies. Um, you know, they sometimes they have backpacks and they're stuffed with school supplies. Do you feel like these are just for like moms that are in need or like how does one mom like, I don't know, become comfortable with like going and actually getting those school supplies? You know, because sometimes that could be really tough and you don't really want to be looked at as somebody in need. And I don't know, like, how do you feel about it? I'd say there's the first thing that came to my mind when you asked me that question is pride comes before fall. I forget where that the fall. I forget where that is in the Bible. But I think we have to check our pride at the door. And it's not about being a charity case. It's about using our money strategically. It's like, why buy auto school supplies? Like, well, why? We can get it for free. Because think about what you can do with that money. It's not about charity. It's like, if you don't have to spend that money, then it, put that money aside in a 529, in a, in a college savings account. Put that money aside to pay off debt or to pay off credit card bills. Put that money aside in a savings account. Like, think about what else you can do with that money. Because it's not all these things aren't for, like, quote, quote, people who are struggling, you know? It's about uh, helping other people to be able to do more with the resources that they have. And so I would say don't, I guess when I was a kid, I used to cut my nose up at even thrift shopping because we used to do um, the bulk of our um, back to school purchases were done at the thrift store. And it's like, I was kind of ashamed of it when I was a kid. I was like, why do we have to buy these clothes at the thrift store? Of course, I mean, we went to sort of other stores as well, but like we were filling in pieces, like when we went to some of the name, name brand stores, but the bulk of what we would get would be at the thrift store. And so I felt a lot of shame about it as a child, but my parents were like, don't know you got this with the thrift store. It's like, it's the, but they were like very, um, they, they weren't, they they waver they compromise. They would be like, Okay, well, you know what, we can go to this store, this is what you eat for this store, just don't figure out how to use it wisely and that's it. But after we go through this, like if there's anything else you need, we're picking it up at the store. 
And so uh, I went through this phase when I just really hated it. But once I got older and once I went on my financial literacy journey myself, I started to value the thrift store more. I started to buy my clothes secondhand. And it was funny because a friend of mine sometimes does closet sales and she'll post pictures on Facebook with the clothes that she no longer needs, but they're like in great quality. And so I purchased some products, some clothes from her. It's like so much of my stuff now comes from buying used because I started to realize the value in buying used and not paying full price for new. And so even with my kids' clothes, like so many of my kids' clothes are hand-me-downs. So I'm able to go to Carter's and spend 60 bucks on a whole summer wardrobe because I've already had clothes for my kids that have been hand-me-downs. And so I really, um, so it saves me a lot of money. And so um, I just learned not to have pride in those sorts of things because I'm looking at the bigger picture about what that means for me to do with my money going forward. Yes, I love that because it, it could be so hard to put that pride aside, but I definitely think that it's necessary. Now, do you have any tips for developing a budget for those moms out there who probably have never budgeted before? What would you say would be the most important things to get them started? I think start easy. Like, I'm a huge fan of an annual budget uh, where you create your budget for the entire year, but that's really the corporate finance of me. But what I want to say to your listeners is start easy. Like, go to an app like Mint.com. Like, Mint.com is amazing. And you look up your bank account information to Mint.com. It's safe. (laughs) It's okay. It's safe. And so what you do, or you can use a service like Personal Capital. And... Those are things that make the budgeting process easier because they can auto-categorize your expenses. And so then that way they can say, you know what, you, tend, you seem to be taking in this much per uh, per month. You tend to be spending this much per month. And it's in these categories. And you can go in and tweak it. You can go in and adjust your income. And you can go in and adjust your expenses. And you can use that to help you create your budget. And so once you understand your income and you use that app like Mint.com or Personal Capital to um to categorize your expenses, then you can adjust it. Like if you're spending more than you're making, you can say, okay, I think my budget category needs to be lower in this area. Maybe I'm underspending. Maybe I need to keep this level of spending in this particular area, but I can go down in this area. So like, for example, let's say you go through and have everything categorized and you see you find that you're spending like $150 on or $200 in entertainment every month. And you can say, you know what, there's a lot of free stuff in my community. I don't need to spend $200 a month in entertainment, but I need to be able to maintain this money that I have in my grocery budget. And so you can say, where, how can I, how much can I reduce my entertainment budget by? Or how much can I reduce my takeout budget by? And so you can start to ask those questions to figure out what you need to continue to spend where you're spending and where certain areas you can cut back. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then and then the other thing is don't forget your goals. Like when you're doing all of this, make sure you're factoring in things like tithing. Make sure you're factoring in things like um saving or debt repayment or retirement contributions. So make sure all of that is in your budget so that way you have a full picture about what you're spending, what you're taking in, what you're saving, things like that. Awesome. So for those moms out there who may be having a tough time 
saving, right? What are maybe some quick side hustles that they can do to actually earn some cash to be able to shop for their kids' things to go back to school? So I would say a couple of things. Just really start, first things first, start with your expenses. So make sure that your expenses are at a level where it makes sense. So because side hustles are always going to take extra time. So I would say see what you can cut first and make sure you're not overspending on things that you don't overspend, need to overspend on. And then from there, I would say sell some of the stuff you don't need anymore. That's the easy thing to do. There are like Facebook groups that will help you do it. There are apps that will help you do it. There are consignment stores that exist, like once upon a child and things like that, that exist to help you to be able to have a place where you can sell the things that you no longer need. So that's a great way to get extra income. Like I see, uh, I know moms, like I just told you about my friend, she's having another baby. And so she just cannot continue to keep her clothes, the number of clothes that she has in the closet because she has to clear up space to be able to put stuff for her child. So sell that stuff, right? So, um, so do that. And the other thing I would say is think about your talents and the things that you're good at. Think about the things that people always ask you for. Like, for example, if you know how, like I interviewed a mom for my podcast and she had a baking company. She actually, she baked cookies. And so she needed to earn some income to send her daughter to Japan because her daughter had an opportunity to study abroad in Japan or do a service trip in Japan. I forget which one. But what she did is she just started marketing her cookies more. She learned how to take better pictures of her cookies. She learned how to uh, make the packaging more appealing and turn it really into her eating her cookies or buying her cookies into an experience. And so she was able to generate not not just enough to send her daughter to Japan, but she was able to help fund the trips of other moms that had the single moms whose children also wanted to go on a trip. So I say this to say, like, if you, know how, if you do hair or if you know how to bake, if you have some other sort of talent, then see how you can market that as a side hustle to be able to earn some extra money to spend with your kids. Um, so those would be the biggest things I would say. Yeah, I definitely agree with those. And I think there was um, one other thing that maybe we forgot to mention about um, kind of saving, like comparing ads. I don't even know if people still do this anymore, but like, I feel like sometimes I'm like grandma because I will get those like ads out of my mailbox <laughs> and I will look yes. at them. Because sometimes, like, Walmart may have something cheaper than another store, or there may be, like, Dollar General that may have stuff cheaper than another store, you know? And so you get to compare those and writing out the list to see, okay, well, I can go here for these items because they're significantly cheaper um, versus going over here and spending, like, twice as much, you know? I don't know. Absolutely. Um, I was just going to say, I don't know if that's the thing that people do, but... (laughs) Yes, there's huge communities for that. And matter of fact, there's certain sites that make it even easier. Uh, There's a site called Crazy Crazy Coupon Lady. Uh And there's another site uh, named... What is it? 
It's called Coupon Mom. The other one is Coupon Mom. So okay. if you subscribe to the Crazy Coupon Lady or Coupon Mom, they they, they compare it for you. They're oh. like Crazy Coupon Lady I love because she actually compares all the thing, all the sales. You can look it up by store, and then you can see, okay, so this thing has this price. If I compare uh, stack coupons on deals plus cash back. And so they, they do all the work for you, and it tells you exactly how to get that deal. And so you can look all that stuff up pretty quickly before you leave the house. The other thing is is that um, plan your meals around what's on sale. So if you know chicken is on sale this weekend, plan your meals around chicken. And so those are different things that you can do. And one more thing is if you find something cheaper online, so you don't have to go to multiple places, ask the store if they accept, if they price match. I was able to save oh, yeah, a lot of money like that before. So there's a number of places that will price match even at Amazon. So that's a great way to, like, buy from stores that are, like, in your community. Not to say that, like, big national stores or local companies, but they're still in your community, employing people who are in your community. But um, those are definitely things. So if they price match, then, you know, you can still get the deal that you would have gotten online. Yeah, for sure. Well, Aisha, that's actually all I have. Was there any other tips that you think that we missed that could help out the moms? The biggest thing is, is I would say, don't forget to survey what you have and then make your list about the things that you need to fill in between uh, from that. So you can compare the list of stuff that you're going to need from back to school and shop with the list because if you start, if you go, I get this, this happens to me when I grocery shop. But it's like, I know there's on the days where I'm not clear about what I'm going to buy in advance. I end up spending way more money. So have a plan when you go into shop. Like, if you're just going to give the money to your children because they might be a little bit older to understand some of those financial financial literacy concepts, then do that and use that as a teaching opportunity. But if you are... If you're going to go in there and buy the stuff yourself with your kids, just have that list before you go in and use that list as your guiding, <laughs> your, uh, the thing that you're going to use to guide your shopping decisions. Because one of the things you don't want to do is accidentally overspend because then you'll end up playing catch up uh, for the next couple of months. And the other thing is we talked a lot about pride. Don't let pride get in the way of managing your money the right way. And I'll say one more thing about the pride. Your kids are looking to you about how to manage their money and how to behave. If you make it seem like buying used or getting things from giveaways is bad, that's also going to be how they decide to operate their finances going forward. So it's really important for us to bottle what good financial literacy looks like for our kids. Yes, definitely. Well, awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking out the time to chat with me. Can you let the listeners know where they can connect with you? Yeah, definitely. Um, they can connect with me on social media, on Instagram. I'm on Instagram the most at Asset Phenomenal. And also on my website, www.assetphenomenal.com. And one of the things is, is that if you head over to the website and I'll give the direct link to the, um, to the challenge, I actually have a 30 day challenge on my site to reduce your grocery spending. Because grocery spending, yeah, it's so cool because I was one of the quests one time to figure out how to reduce my grocery spending and still eat healthy. And so 
in that I put together some of the biggest things that I learned and turned it into a 30-day grocery reduction challenge. So I'm challenging people to really prepare themselves to be able to eat healthy and learn how to do it. And so there's a lot of cool things in there. I have a couple of interviews where it talks about healthy foods, uh, healthy remedies, uh, foods to avoid that are really linked to sickness. I talk um, about budgeting. Like I, it's a, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot in that thirty day grocery reduction challenge. And the and the direct link to that is com slash grocery. So com slash grocery. But yeah, it's a really cool. It's a really cool challenge because it really you learn uh, what's healthy and definitely how to get it on a budget and how to make it stretch as well. Okay, sweet. If you send me that direct link too, I'll actually include it in the show notes. Absolutely. I'll do that. Awesome. Well, thanks again. I really appreciate it and I hope you have a great night. Thank you. You too. Thanks for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. You are welcome. All right. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and you were actually able to get some tips that you can apply during your back to school shopping. If you enjoy this episode, be sure to leave a review. Don't forget to subscribe and share with another mom or family member who may be getting ready to do back to school shopping as well. You can connect with me on social media at Single Black Motherhood. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. You can check out the website at singleblackmotherhood.com. We will be continuing the back to school series next week and I'll talk to you guys then. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it.